those of you that follow the news, uh, the president did call for a national day of prayer today. So uh, as we always open with prayer, but we're going to do so uh, corporately here this morning. But as we do take this time of prayer this morning at this particular time, I do ask that let's all uh, stand in reverence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we pray. Father, we love you today and we thank you so much for all that you have done, for all that you have given. Father, Lord, we understand the sacrifice that you gave for us. We accept and acknowledge that sacrifice today. Father, we thank you so much for what you have given. We thank you, Lord, for the president calling for a national day of prayer today. And Father, Lord, we do pray for all of those in America today and yet across the world, for those that have been infected by this virus and father for those that will be father for those that are governments that are trying to combat this and to work to resolve this issue as soon as possible and father lord we know that there's been lives lost and yet lord we understand that with the other diseases and infections of the world many more have lost their lives to things other than this coronavirus but, Father, Lord, we lift each and every life before you because, Lord, those lives are precious to you. You have created each of us. And, Father, we pray that those that do not know Jesus Christ, that we pray that you would use this time and can use this time, Father, to help them to come to a better acknowledgement and understanding that there's one way to heaven through Jesus Christ, that they would kneel their hearts before you and they would come to that point of decision. Father, for those that are uh, have lost loved ones, Father, we pray for them today. We lift them up before you. We pray that you just be a blessing to them, for our government, for our people. Father, help us, Lord, all across this world not to find hysteria, but to find a peace and a calmness. Fear is of Satan, it's not of God, because fear is confusion, and in God is no confusion. And Father, we trust and believe you in that today. Father, Lord, we understand that we need to just follow the principles of God and Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, using the minds and the hearts that you have given to us. Father, we pray for there be anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Father, we pray that that point of decision would be today. For whatever decisions need to be met today, Father, we pray it will be met with honesty, with purity, and with the diligence of understanding of a lifelong commitment, whatever it may be to you. Thank you for the text this morning. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the time we have to get gathered together. Be with all the pastors that are preaching the gospel as we speak. Be encouragement to their heart, to their families, to those ministries. And Father, Lord, most of all, that we would do everything that we do for you and you alone. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and be seated. All right, if you'll take your copy of God's Word this morning, go to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. We are continuing in the uh, discipleship series. The message today is from face to face, from face to face. That wasn't just a good rhyme. There's a point behind it. This message today is simply about ministry, about ministry, something we've been speaking about a little bit here and there at different times. And uh, just being more uh, involved in ministry. You know that this thing that we're going through right now, that the world's going through, but we're going through in our nation, man, what a phenomenal time to use this for the ministry of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've really thought about that or not, but it is. It is a phenomenal time 
to stand up, stand firm, and to be able to, to just calm people down, tell them everything's going to be all right, do what you need to do, but convey the gospel message. I don't know if you see that or not. I mean, there are so many different ways that you can plug the gospel of Jesus Christ into these moments when people are starting to really get worried or, or about this or the different things, the different things that we're going through. There's so many ways to do ministry. Maybe there's somebody that you know that's down the street. Maybe there's, uh, maybe it's an older couple, or maybe they have somebody in their house that's their health compromised, and they really don't want to be out. Maybe you could call them, or uh, you know, go knock on the door, or whatever, and say, "Hey, is there something you need? Hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Do you need me to go get something for you?" And start building that relationship. Uh, coworkers that you normally do not talk to. People that you're normally not around. You may not be talking to them on a more personal level. It's always professional. Maybe use this time and just look at them and say, hey, you know, is there anything that we can do for you? You know, is there something, you know, can we be praying? Is there something, that, is, is there a need in your home? Brothers and sisters, we have to take this situation, turn it around for the gospel's sake. We have to, because it doesn't matter. We need to be conveying that. There are kids that are going to school. I don't care what grade they're in. They need to be talking to the other kids and be an encouragement to them as well, because everything in our life is about ministry. So the point of from face to faith is this, is that how serious is your gospel ministry to your personal walk, your face? Nothing gets more personal than this. This is the absolute most personal thing on your body is this right here, is your faith. Uh, and this is why the Lord has given this, this title to me this morning, is from face to, uh, or from face, to faith, is that how real is uh, that personal uh, contact, that, that idea, uh, the emotion, the uh, ideas, the abilities to minister, and to do everything that we can. If you love Jesus Christ and you say that you're saved, you should want to do ministry. I didn't say you was doing it. I said you should be wanting to do it. Amen? I'm not putting you down. That's not a put down. Please don't take it that way. What I'm simply saying is, is that what a privilege it is to serve Jesus Christ. How many times when we go to work do we think about ministry? I will guarantee you probably 98% of the time we don't think about it. We get up on a given day. We start out our day. We go to work. We, we're traveling. We're doing all these things. It's about work, 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 work. We don't think about ministry. Everything is about ministry. I don't know about you, but you're not going to have your job in heaven. And everybody said, Amen. So realize and understand is, is that now is the time to witness to your co-workers. Those co-workers aren't going to be in heaven. Well, matter of fact, there's no need for the gospel in heaven because you're going to be in heaven. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So the whole point of this is simply coming down to the understanding of how important the gospel ministry and your ministry is to you. So the face, the countenance, the word of God speaks about the term countenance. I'm going to say this very quickly, is that the countenance, and, and those of you, anybody ever heard the term countenance in the word of God? Anybody ever read that? Raise your hand. It's okay. You're already infected anyway. Come on. Gospel infection. Okay, come on. What I'm saying is, is that the, the term countenance, when you read it in the word of God, it's simply talking about who you are. It's about who you are. It's the perceptions of people. It's what people, how people look at you, how people uh, 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 perceive you and in your life and in your love for the Lord. Let me tell you what, as time draws near to the, to, to the rapture, when Jesus Christ is going to come and step out and that trumpet sounds and we are out of here, brothers and sisters, let me tell you what, people need to hear the gospel. And the gospel doesn't need to be heard on Sundays alone. It doesn't need to be heard on Wednesdays alone. It needs to be heard every single day. If you post on your Facebook page, you bring that, you found something good about the gospel, repost that thing every day. I don't know how you do that, but try to click and drag and do all that junk y'all do. 
but realizing and putting the gospel out there, putting it in a place where people are constantly reminded of it and being involved in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Do you want to see somebody saved? Come on, I hope you do. I hope you want to be involved in somebody's salvation when it comes to that point of decision for Jesus Christ and that begins and it ends many times with you. It's not just coming to the church and hearing it. It's about the life that you live and it's about what you say and how you say it. So how do we find this term of ministry? We're going to get into the text in just a second, so just be patient for just a moment. Let's look here at this statement that the Lord has given to me to give to you today. Every successful adventure in your life depends upon our obedience to God's will at that particular time. Did you ever really think about ministry like that? God's will does change because God will put different people in your pathway. There's times when you're going to minister to one person at your job and you're going to deal with them this way and 10 minutes later you're going to be able to minister to that person but you're going to do it in a total separate direction and a total separate way than you're going to do with this person. Let's just take present circumstance. This person over here, everybody's healthy. You say, listen, is there anything I can do? Nope, there's nothing I can do. Okay, great. If you need something, I'm here. You go over to this person. Is everything okay? Well, you know, no, my mom's sick or my dad's sick or my grandparents are sick or this is going on, that's going on. What you just did over here is not going to be the exact same thing you're going to do over here. And what happens is, now listen to me real quick. What happens is, is that's where many of us, and I've done it for years, and praise God that he's helped me through the years, is that we tend to miss the mark of ministry because we think that we minister to everybody the same, and that's not how it works. You don't minister to everybody the same. Every ministry opportunity brings about its own abilities and capabilities in and through you to minister to that person the way that they need to be ministered to. Amen? Jesus says, I didn't come to heal the sick. He says, I come to heal those that are or, or that are actually sick, those that are actually hurting. Those people that are healthy, I don't need to minister to, but the sick and ailing are the ones that I need to minister to. And that's exactly the approach that we should have to the gospel ministry, that when you're witnessing here, that's great. You need to witness here a little bit different. That's great. And here's the thing. Just listen to me. Understand this. That's the exciting part about ministry. If I had to give you one thing about ministry that I really enjoy about the gospel ministry as a pastor is that every time I minister to somebody, it's always something different. I enjoy that. I like that as a Christian and as a pastor. When I stand at that door, when y'all are leaving, you cannot imagine how many different conversations that me, myself, that I have with you all when you're leaving. This person, will you pray for my cousin? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for this? This is going on. I've got this doctor's appointment. I've got this. Praise God, the Lord's done this. And that is fantastic because it gives you the ability to deal with multiple people, multiple circumstances, but it is a blessing to you that God can use in multiple ways. Amen? Ministry is not about pastors, it's about Christians. Amen? What is ministry and what is my role in it? Ministry is worship. If you if you sit back and looked at your life and you think, okay, well, I worship. I, I let me go, let me go back real quick. Let me go back to, to Genesis chapter two, just in my mind, and in just a moment here. Did did Adam, when God put Adam in control and in charge of the garden, wasn't that worship? Was it just worship when he walked with him in the cool of the day? Or was it worship when he was fulfilling God's will? 
even after Eve came and after the fall and after all of the things that take place in our life, what is worship? Everything's about worship. We come in here, we sing, it's worship. We play music, it's worship. We hear the word of God preached, it's worship. I'm giving it to you, but you're still worshiping God because you're listening to it. When the collection plate is passed around, that is considered worship. We'll be talking about that in the next week. And you understand that everything that you do as a Christian is about worship. And we need to be doing more worship because more people need to come to that point of decision in Jesus Christ. Let me give this one last thing to you, and I'm going to jump into chapter 17, verse 1 is that in ministry, pay attention to this, because this is exactly what the text is here this morning, that in ministry, God always brings people together. There is nowhere from Genesis to Revelation where ministry is taking place where people are not brought together. In the gospel ministry, and everything that you do, everywhere that you go, everything, God brings people together. He doesn't separate them. He brings us together. He brings people in our lives. Now listen to me. There are times in your life that when somebody, God's going to lead somebody into your life, and at that particular moment, you may not want to minister to them. Now I'm just being honest with you. You think, well, you know, you're in a wrong mindset. You're not feeling good. You're upset or things are going on, and you don't want to minister. But here's the thing. Irregardless of the mind and the heart of the individual, it is still up to us to minister to everybody that Jesus Christ brings in our path. It doesn't matter who it is, that God is always bringing us together. And that is some of the things that we just do not understand and we do not consider the cost of an individual's life and heart when Jesus Christ brings them into your path. And what I'm trying to say this morning is, is simply this. Get out of the mindset that the gospel ministry is about pastors. It's not about pastors. It's about Christians reaching non-Christians with a living gospel, which is what they need because without it, they're going to die and go to hell. That's the understanding of the gospel. And listen to me. If you hear nothing else, your ministry is vital to the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ in somebody's life. It's about you. Amen? I've done lost you. Y'all come on in. Y'all know the gospel is vitally important. It's just your role in it. And this you need to understand how vitally important it is when God brings people into your life that you take absolute uh, accountability and responsibility for that person at that particular time. Here when we look at Elijah and we see this widow woman that's got a small child, and many of y'all have read this. I went through this about a year or so ago. Uh, the Lord brought this back to my heart this week. I tried to get away from him, and he wouldn't let me. He made, he made me keep coming back to this text. So I'm going to give the text to you this morning because we all need to hear it. And whatever you need to get out of it, get it. Amen. And Elijah the Tishbite was uh, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Obviously, it was a great famine. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence. What is he saying? He, he, the word of the Lord speaks to Elijah and says, Leave here. Now, the one thing I want to tell you very quickly about gospel ministry, if you get comfortable, I can tell you right now, you ain't in the will of God. 
One of the things that I've learned about the gospel ministry before and since I've been a pastor is when you get comfortable, you become complacent. I can tell you that now. Amen? Come on. When you get comfortable, you get complacent. So the Lord speaks to Elijah and he says, Leave here, get thee hence, and turn thee eastward and hide, thy, and hide thyself by the brook Kerith that is before Jordan. So what is he doing? He says, all right, Elijah, I need you to get up. I'm giving you direction where you need to go, and this is where I need you to be at this particular moment. And let me say this very quickly. And there's sometimes you say, well, God, I don't understand. I can tell you right now, I don't know of many Christians that can honestly say they've never asked God or made that statement to God. Say, Lord, I just don't understand. I'm right there now, today. Amen. March 15, 2020, I'm right there. I'm like, Lord, I don't understand, but I'm going to keep doing what i got to do. I'm going to keep pressing towards the mark. I'm going to keep doing what I, what I need to do. I may not understand everything. I may not understand most things, but what I do understand and know is that what I'm doing is right, and I'm going to do it because I'm doing it for you. Amen. So let's get excited about the Word of God this morning. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So here God is setting the man of God aside. He says, this is where you need to be. This is what you're going to do. Listen, Elijah doesn't know everything. He doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. He doesn't know how it's going to be taking place. These unclean birds, these ravens are going to be bringing him food. He's got this brook, even though they're in the midst of this drought, that God has provided this brook and, and fresh water so Elijah, his prophet, can, can be able to sustain the flesh at this particular time. In verse 5 he says, So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. What did he do? He did what he told him to do. I can tell you right now, you'll find yourself in the gospel ministry, you're going to a place you have no idea where you're going. And again, and I'll say it again, that's the exciting part of ministry, is when God says, okay, get up, turn left, and I need you to go. All right, Lord, where am I going? And the God GPS shuts down, and you're like, okay, well, I don't, where am I supposed to go now? How am I supposed to get there? It's like, what am I doing? So do I stop? No, God didn't tell you to stop. God said, keep going. That is the exciting. I don't know. Let me... I don't know if you've ever understood or accepted the, the excitement and the reality of following Jesus Christ blindly with the eyes, but fully with the heart. It's exciting when the Lord God begins to just lead you, just as he's done Elijah here. He's sending him to a place, and birds are feeding him, and he's drinking from a brook, and all of these things are going on, and yet he still finds himself obedient. And why does Elijah find himself obedient? Because he knows that God is not going to put him in a place where he cannot trust God, where he's not going to be able to fulfill God's will. Elijah knows that when God put him in this place at this time, it's to fulfill this purpose and the listen to me and the ministry that Elijah is dealing with right now before even the widow woman comes into the picture the worship and the ministry that Elijah is dealing with right now is simply one thing obedience to God that's his worship that's his ability to do ministry and so many times we think well wait a minute if I'm doing ministry then I have to be administering to Caleb or to Ben or to Jesse or somebody I have to to be in ministry I have to be doing something for somebody else and that just ain't the way it works a lot of ministry that we all deal with extends past nowhere other than our own mind and our own heart did you think about that 
Remember what I said about ministry a moment ago. Ministry is any form of worship before God. It's your own mind, it's your own heart, it's doing what it is that God wants you to do. And let me tell you what, brothers and sisters, if you don't get this up to this verse, I promise you, you won't get the rest of it. Because ministry is about you. If you're not effective within your own self, you'll never be effective for anybody else. Does that make sense? So let's get excited. And the ravens brought him, we're only going to verse 16 this morning, and the ravens brought him bread and, and, uh, and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. So listen, Elijah's being taken care of. He's just stalemated at this point. And what I mean by that is, is God has got him in a particular place. Has God ever set you next to a brook? Has God ever set, never ever set you to a quiet place? That's what I'm trying to say this morning. Brothers and sisters, never dismiss the fact that when God puts you in a quiet place, that's the time for you to get lazy. That's the time we're to get busy and we need to start to worship and praise God because something's fixing to happen. I don't know if you understand that. All of this is where he's at. He's saying, okay, well, what is it? Elijah, I need you to go here. I'm going to feed you by the ravens. I'm going to give you fresh water. I'm going to give you bread. I'm going to give you meat. Just like I did Israel when they came out of Egypt. He says, I'm going to take care of your physical needs. The only thing I need for you is to stay spiritually aware of what it is that I'm about to ask you to do. He says, I'll take care of the flesh. You deal with the spirit that's within you. Amen? So the next time God puts you next to a quiet brook, don't just fall asleep the way that the disciples did in the garden. You need to be doing just what Jesus said. He says, y'all need to be praying. You need to be seeking counsel. You need to be seeking wisdom. You need to be seeking understanding. You need to be seeking the face of God. You need to take those times of quietness and don't take advantage of them, but use them as an opportunity to grow in God's grace. And it came fast after a while that the brook dried up. After a while, I don't know how long it was, could have been a day, could have been two months, but here he says that after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Well, obviously Elijah knew that. He knew what was going on. He didn't panic. He didn't freak out. He wasn't worried about it. Why? Because God had already taken care of his physical needs up to this point. Listen to what I'm telling you. He's taken care of his physical needs up to this point, and when things get a little rough, it doesn't mean that God's going to bail out on you because the world itself has gotten weak. It doesn't mean that God is weak because whatever's in the world, God put there anyway. And I'll tell you what, I'd much rather have a clean or a, a dirty bird like a raven drop down a loaf of bread that's got a little bit of gangrene on it that I got to rip off and eat it because I know that if God give it to me, it's what I need. I don't need man to say, here's the shells, here's the plenteousness of, of the grocery store. What I need to know is that I'm in the perfect will of God and I'm going to trust God to give me everything. This is simply what he's saying. You trust the Lord, you follow him, you do what it is. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, here again we see this, the word of the Lord, the God into the counsel of God. He says, arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. He said, dwell there. He said, so now the resources have dried up here, now I need you to go somewhere else. Pay attention to the change. When the quiet time ended, the drought began to affect, and then God said, now it's time to move somewhere else. That's what happens to ministry. That's what happens to pastors. There's times when God, the brook begins to dry up. 
And there's times when the Lord begins to speak through the minister, and the minister's got some ones that come to the house. And I ain't talking about the morning just standing here. I'm talking about y'all. There's times when the Lord says, listen, your usefulness here is over. I need you to be here with me. But I need you to trust me. And if you don't take advantage of the quiet times, then the only thing that will lead you into the next step with Jesus Christ is fear and doubt and not faith. Arise. Arise, he says, verse 9. Verse 10, and in in obedience, Elijah, he said, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there. Amen. Here's the ministry. She wasn't there the day before. Come on, y'all got to get this real quick. She wasn't there the day before. She wasn't there 20 minutes earlier. She wasn't there weeks earlier. She was at the gate, and Elijah, or Elisha, through obedience, found the ability to follow the perfect will of God. And when God said go, he didn't say no, he went. And that perfect encounter where God brings people into your life, when the ministering of the, of the grace and the faith of Jesus Christ, it begins to come together. When God says go, stop saying why and get busy. All right, you want to you ask him why? That's great, but keep going. Did you hear what I said? Don't, if God says go over here, you can say, okay, Lord, why am I going over here? But at the same time, you're still going in the right direction. Because if you stop, now listen to me, you may think this is wrong, you may think this is whatever, but I'm telling you now, if God says go, you take five steps and then you stand there for five minutes and you contemplate, was this God, was it not God? Is this really what he wanted? Is this really what he said? Let me tell you what, that person that you was going to meet in that intersection of your life is now gone. And then you and I, like many Christians throughout history, is going, oh, Lord, please let me go back to that time, and Lord, let our lives intersect again. God's like, what you talking about? Because brothers and sisters, when it's gone, it's gone. When spirit moves, you respond. Amen? Anybody getting anything out of this this morning? You got to be on time. You have to follow the Lord. You have to be in the place where God wants you. And you have to be in a place with a mind, with a heart, with an understanding, with an ability that here that he says and dwell there. He says, behold, at the end of verse 9, he says, behold, I have commanded. Behold, the word commanded means enjoined to or appointed. He says, I have appointed a widow woman there to maintain or to feed you. He says, this woman is going to come into your life. And so many times in the ministry we think, we, we start out when we're young in the ministry and we have a desire for other people, then there becomes a need in our life and then it becomes about us. That's where many pastors go wrong. They get into the gospel ministry for the right reason, for the right purpose, doing the right thing, but then there becomes a need in their life, and instead of finding those quiet brook moments with Jesus Christ, they begin to say, well, well, this person can give me this, this person can give me this, I can get this, I can get that. Let me tell you what, you don't need anybody else other than Jesus Christ. 
But there are times that the Lord will lead people into your life. And I've said this many times, many times since we've been in the ministry. I'm telling you right now, there was times when people came up and tried to give us stuff, and I was like, mm-mm, no. Thank you, but no, absolutely not. Knowing that there was a need in our life, knowing that people were willing to be used by God to be a blessing to me and my family, but I let pride get in the way, and I went, mm-mm. Mm-mm, no, you ain't going to do that for me. I'm a man. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to take care of my family. So many blessings have been dismissed. The blessing of God, the blessing of the person, and the blessing of the receiver. But the next time you got a need and somebody's trying to be a blessing to you, I know how humbling it is. I under, We know how humbling it is to humble yourself before somebody else. But let me tell you what. Don't take the blessing away from God. Let him be a blessing to you. That's why we need to be in ministry and give it to him for the sake of time. Let's move here quickly this morning. Let's just go ahead and look down uh, or, or at verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he had come to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little vessel of water that I may drink. And as I was, And as she was going to fetch it, He called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel. Pay attention to the term that what he's using here. Even God himself was not asking this widow woman to give everything. Here, Elijah simply says, bring me a morsel of bread in thine hand. So the widow woman responds, she says, as the Lord thy God liveth. I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it, and we may what? She's, she's to this point. Now pay attention to this. She is to this climactic point. I cannot imagine what is going through this widow woman's mind at this very moment. She's going up and trying to pick up twigs to be able to build a fire to be able to bring about this last little piece of bread, this last little cake that her and her son, which is not, which is not that much, that she can sit down and, and she herself can eat, and I'm sure she would give the most of it, the majority of it to her son, and she simply says that in my mind, in my heart, I am at the end of life, my son is at the end of life, and there's nothing that can be done, just let me have the last few moments of physical pleasure, then I can leave. Do you see how that fits into where we're at today in the world? How many people today that are going to contract some kind of flu bug, something that may not be this this other situation we're dealing with? And they may say, oh, I'm just going to die. I'm just going to die. It's just it's the end of life. It's just all this is over. All this is done. What do I do? You're the Elijah. You walk to them with strength and with grace and with love. And all you're telling these persons, these people in your life to do is have faith. Trusting God, trusting Christ. It's not over. And if you die in Christ, you win anyway. How can you lose? And he follows through with this. And he pours out in his mind and in his heart. He said, just give me this morsel. And this widow woman is like, listen, I don't have but just a little bit. Let us have this so we can die. And Elijah said unto her, he said, what? Fear not. Fear not. There's nothing to fear. But when the flesh is in the way, the spirit does not simply follow. 
Do you understand that? When we're in a place, for those of you, let me just, for people going to the grocery store right now, and they walk inside, and they go, and the meat section is cleared out, they go and the eggs are gone, they go the milk is gone, they go that the dry goods are gone, they go that the canned goods are gone, they go and look and everything, the only things left is dry beans and ain't nobody buying them because most people nowadays don't know how to cook them anyway. Amen. That'll make you learn quick. All of this stuff's going on, and let me tell you what, some of these people are Christians. And they're doing everything but falling on their knees and just begging God, Lord, please just give me another morsel before I die. And there's another grocery store right down the road. Let's go. Does that make sense to you? He says, fear not, little woman. He says, you go and do as thou hast said. He says, you go make that little cake there. But he said, you bring it unto me, and after, make for thee and for thy son. Now, some people, if you don't study it, you would think, well, he's doing, well, wait a minute, Elijah shouldn't have done that. Let me tell you what, it wasn't about Elijah's stomach, it was about the widow woman's faith. It wasn't about him putting food in his stomach, because God had already taken care of him. It was about building her faith. It was about building up the strength of her faith. Why? Because we're not going to cover it this morning, but when you get over to verse 17, that son that she was trying to keep alive for a little bit longer, he died. And if it would not have been for the faith of that man of God to step into her life and say, fear not and trust God, that she'd have never survived that moment when her child died. Do you see, and I'm going to close this out, do you see how everything walks together with Jesus Christ in the gospel ministry? Everything works together. God is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. He is a God that has worked everything out before in 1-1. He has worked out everything before and after uh, Revelation 22. God has got everything worked out. The only problem with the equation is whether we'll follow him or not. Does that make sense? Come on. I only got you a couple more minutes. Amen. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. So what is he simply saying? He says, listen, widow woman, he says, you have said that you're going to bake this cake, but bake it with faith and belief that God is going to give you what you need. He's going to take care of you. I don't care if the shelves are empty, and I know the flesh, I know the spirit. You walk in and those shelves are empty. You just want to fall to your knees and you want to give up. Y'all got to say amen to that because you know you've been there many times as well as I have in my life since I've been saved. We just want to fall to our knees and we just want to say, well, Lord, I'm just giving up. God's like, what are you talking about? If you'll just apply a little bit of the faith that you say that you have in me, if you put all of your faith and trust in me, 10 minutes ago or 25 years ago, if the faith that led you to the decision to accept my, my, my most beloved gift, the 
if you can trust me enough to save you, why can't you trust me enough to sustain you? And here's the thing. We find ourselves, I'm going to close, we find ourselves kneeling down in the middle of the aisle at a grocery store because the shelves are clean and we see no hope. That's when we should be standing up and going, where's the raven? Where's the raven? Where's the brook? Lord, I know you're not, Lord, you never turned your back on me since the day I've accepted you. And you never turned your back on me at any point in time before I made that decision for Jesus Christ. So as much as I trusted you then, I trust you now. Lord, the shelves are bare. My, my stomach may be growling. But boy, Lord, I know there's a raven somewhere. Lord, where's it at? Where's the raven, Lord? And sometimes that's you that's the answer. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes you're the raven. And sometimes it's not about food, but most of the time it's about sin. Feed my spirit, Jesus Christ. Feed my spirit. Be the raven. Be the blessing. Be the sustaining favor of God. And he says, listen, he says, widow woman, he says, your barrel's not going to be empty and your oil's not going to go away. He said, until the famine is over. Until it's over. Because when life will take care of you. I'm going to get you through this hard time. I'm going to get you through this difficult time. I'm going to get you through this time when your faith is diminished, when your heart is weak, when your flesh is following. He says, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to get you through that drought of your life. And I'm going to be with you until then. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat. How many days? Three weeks. Three weeks. Do you realize and understand something? Do you understand? Let me, let me just give it to you really quick. Do you understand that the seed of the gospel that you plant in somebody's life today, they'll feed on that. They'll feed on that until the spiritual famine is over. And then there's going to come a point of decision in their heart. And then that seed is going to grow, and it's going to grow into faith of knowledge of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. But if you did not drop the seed in their life and in their mind and in their heart, they have nothing to chew on. They have nothing to think about. But you first do your job. Do your responsibility. Take advantage of the moment. Listen to the brookside moments as you stand. Those moments when, we stay, when we're next to the brook and those moments when we think it's time to rest, those are the moments that we need to find the favor of God, that we need to just trust in Him. We need to grow in those moments, but never, ever, ever miss the call of God in your life. 